You're listening to the Marketing for Learning podcast, the only podcast in the world designed to help you increase your capabilities when it comes to marketing in the learning function. We're here to help you make your learners do things they don't want to do. You're welcome. Well, here we are, another episode of the Marketing for Learning podcast. I've missed you guys. It feels like I haven't done a recording by myself for you from me for a, a couple of weeks now. So hello again, it's Ashley Sinclair. And today I want to talk to you guys about something called banner blindness. And I want to discuss it because it's a it's probably something you've done yourself. You're you you are suffering from, for want of a better word. Um, but I think it's something for us to also be mindful of when it comes to L and D. So banner blindness is actually a bit of a psychological phenomenon. Um, some people it affects more than others, but likely you have done it. It is basically the process of ignoring banner advertisements across the web. Uh, Our brains have become very adaptive at understanding that content that's perhaps sat to the the right of, say, text that we're reading on our computer or things that are at the top of the page are adverts. So if you imagine you're browsing on Google, back in the day, Google actually used to have ads all along the right-hand side of their search results as well as uh, the top and the bottom ads, which they still retain. And there was quite a lot of research around heat mapping and eye tracking to see where people's eyes actually went. This is well researched. And in many cases, most people very rarely fixate on the ads or look at them maybe once. Um, So, and do they click on them? Probably never. So, and don't get me started on why I think paid advertising is a waste of money. So banner blindness, you're thinking, well, why are you talking to me about Google paid search? Like what on earth has that got to do with L&D? Well, I think there's a little bit, it's a little bit of a leap, but it's something I see quite a lot. That's not just being done in L&D, but also being done in a corporate environment where brands tend to use the same imagery over and over and over again. And it concerns me greatly because we, as people, as I've just specified, have got are very good at uh, determining what level of information we need to absorb. Okay, like, you know, there's so much flying at us all the time. I've seen that before. I don't need to look at it again. So it's really actually very risky to use the same imagery over and over and over again. Um, unless you're trying to really compound a visual ident or oftentimes when I'm developing learning campaigns or marketing campaigns in general, I'll fixate on a primary image, which is kind of like the hero image of the campaign or the hero image of the brand. Uh, For example, with mass, I tend to use that hand holding the plastic dinosaur. If you've seen that image, you will know exactly what I'm talking about because it stands out and I use it in places to basically align that visual ident with the brand. So what I'm kind of trying to talk to you about is when we're trying to establish a brand, uh, we're trying to, you know, reach our audiences um, with new messaging, new imagery, uh, even new language, be very, very careful about how you present that to that audience. Be very smart about the imagery that you use because 
I know sometimes it's likely that you have a small image repository that you can make use of if your internal comms and internal employer brand is very tight. There might not be a lot for you to work with, but that doesn't mean that you should just keep using the same imagery because it concerns me that your learners are likely to ignore it because of banner blindness. I've seen that before. I don't need to look at it again. There are many ways to fight banner blindness uh, and in many cases it's, it's quite easy for us to overcome this or at least being aware that it's even a thing uh, is a good place for us to start. But really what we're looking to do, if we're trying to interrupt, we're trying to get people's attention, trying to disrupt, we cannot keep on using the same imagery. That That's obvious. Um, so what we need to do is think about more relevant content. Again, this is stuff that I've talked about in other episodes. How can you be relevant? If you've only got a small image repository, your brand, employer brand is really tight, then how how else could you be relevant to people? How else could you stand out? Could you use text imagery that's just in your font and a, a color? It can work really, really well. Uh, you know, could you think about what, again, what's in it for me? What do the learners want to see? What's going to be very difficult for them to ignore? Think about other things as well. Like one of the things that I love to do the most is go against what people expect. So even with things like sending emails, you know, typical email format will be, uh, oh, here's a little image at the top. There's some text. Here's a button. Here's a little closer footer. We love you. You're the best. Please click on our email. Great, we all follow that format and it it works to an extent, but sometimes I like to send an email that's different, whether that has a, a GIF in it or, you know, one I sent today just had very large, obnoxious font at the top. Um, and, you know, if people see it, whilst that doesn't necessarily help improve my open rate, they're maybe not going to ignore it because it's got their attention straight away. They think, oh, that's different. That's unique. That's relevant. That's excited me in some way. So think about how you can use non-standard sizes of imagery you know could you say if you're posting some imagery on one of your social networking sites internally whether that's your intranet or you know slack teams whatever you're using rather than just using the same image size all the time think about how you could maybe even just change that like sometimes on linkedin i'll do uh documents but i'll do square ones versus you know the 16 by 9 presentation or i'll do a video that suddenly is you know horizontal rather than sorry landscape rather than horizontal i always get those two confused um you know could could i uh put a different filter on my video to make it seem different really think about how you can use different elements of your brand or components of imagery if you are particularly caught in a tight brand situation also don't bombard people you know i think (laughs) It's a conversation I have quite a lot when I'm working with clients and we're developing out marketing plans. Like, you know, how often should we be posting on our channels? How often should we be reaching our customers? And whilst the political, you know, the politician's answer is, well, you know, how long is a piece of string? It really depends on your audience. And I highly recommend you start experimenting and testing so that you start to find out what's working. Um, but really, as I said in, in uh, one of the branding episodes, you know, consistent presentation of a brand is really, really important. Get it 
too much too often and that can have an adverse effect. So I would recommend that you're at least in their inboxes or on a social channel or somewhere visibly at least once a week. That doesn't mean you're literally jumping down their throats and saying, go take all this learning, go do this now. You know, you might be there presenting ideas about, uh, you know, leadership who have progressed their careers through, you know, your academies or, you know, telling user stories about successes. Doesn't necessarily always have to be like, hey, we have new learning content, go here. That's where people are going to start ignoring it very quickly. So think about how you can share content and ideas and more like things like the ethos and value of what you're doing from a learning function rather than just focusing on pushing out the content all the time. Because, And if you are going to do the latter, which you're well entitled to do, of course you don't need my permission to do that, but if you're going to do that, at least include some of the components I've just talked about in terms of changing the shapes, the colors, the fonts, the types of imagery that you use. Primarily, you need to think about how you can create a fresh look, a more interesting, uh, dynamic approach for people. So, you know, go in the places that they don't expect you. Um, Go and provide useful information, engaging content that's going to catch their eyes. Because, you know, if you want some stats, it's a bit concerning. According to Neil Patel, it's a bit of an old data set now, it's from 2015, but I thought it was pretty concerning. And let's be honest, it's probably worse now. 14% of internet users remember the last odd they saw. Only 8% can recall the company or the product that was promoted. And only 2.8% of those people thought that the ad was relevant. So we've only got 15% of an audience to begin with. So, you know, this is why we need to consistently present ourselves. But this is also why we need to think more about how we can constantly be fresh, be innovative, be dynamic. If you listen to Caroline Fitzpatrick's interview, she talked about how... um, one of the individuals on her team is developing really interesting content. They did a a learning session and did the key takeaways and made a link to Deliveroo. And it was fun and quirky and modern and appropriate. Think about how you can do that. Because banner blindness is a thing. And whilst we're typically looking at it from a, a search and advertising perspective, I've no doubt that the psychological phenomenon applies to your audiences in the workplace. So if you're consistently pushing out the same messages and the same look and feel all the time, it's not going to get people's attention. And if you have been listening to this podcast at all, you know that I believe that attention is the primary component that we are missing when it comes to engaging our people with the values and ideas of lifelong learning and professional development. We need to get their attention first, then we need to convince them that learning is a worthwhile use of their time. Banner blindness is a risk for us if we don't start to think a little bit more outside the box. So that was just a very fleeting little story about our uh, attention spans. 
I have a neuroscientist coming on in a few weeks and we are going to talk a little bit more about the science that sits behind banner blindness as well as digging more into cognitive fun- functions such as influence and emotions. I'm really excited about that podcast session because it's going to compound and solidify everything that I'm saying to you here today. If you can have one key takeaway from today, it's be different. Try stuff out, try different layouts, try different templates, try different imagery, fonts, colors, shapes, sizes. It's all up for grabs. And even if you have a tight brand, there's a lot of stuff you can still do and play with within that space. I hope you've learned something today. And by the way, please try and say banner blindness 10 times fast. It is quite the tongue twister. I'm going to do it now. Feel free to turn off. Banner blindness, 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 banner blindness. Was that 10? It got a bit weird. Thanks for tuning in. See you guys soon. Mm-hmm.